from our studios in the Southern Food and Beverage Museum in New Orleans, welcome to our special Louisiana Eats podcast series, Tammany Taste Quick Bites. I'm Poppy Tooker. For more than 20 years, Tori and David Salazzo have crafted an idyllic small town life while bringing big new flavors to Covington diners. First, at their fine dining establishment, Del Porto Ristorante, and more recently at their gastropub, The Greyhound. David and Tori are both professionally trained chefs whose romance began in 1999, working side by side on the line at Travigne, one of Northern California's most prestigious restaurants at the time. We sat down together in our Louisiana Eats studios to hear the full story of how two of the North Shore's favorite restaurants came to be. Hi there, I'm Tori Salazzo. And I'm her husband, David Salazzo. And our restaurants are Restaurante Del Porto in Covington and The Greyhound Gastropub in Covington as well. People really have to look back in their culinary database to remember the time when fresh from the farm, grilled meats, when all of those things coming to us out of California were really fresh and new ideas. And that that's what attracted you all to California, huh? Definitely for me, um, when I was looking at culinary schools, um, that was my first choice, California Culinary Academy, because I wanted to be in the Bay Area and I wanted to be around that movement that was happening, would have been happening, Alice Waters, the 70s, you know, but I feel like it was still very strong, you know, in the 90s. It's just kind of what happens out there. Um, and I, I had never experienced that before, but I wanted to be part of that. Um, and it was amazing. When I got there, I got off the airplane and there were two things. I had never really moved away from home. I was 26 or 27. I felt at home in Northern California. The minute I stepped off the plane, I felt at home. There's something about the culture, the people, the food scene. Um, but at the same time, it was so different from home. You know, the food scene, the people, the culture. But there was something, there was a, a vein of familiarity. So I really didn't ever feel homesick. And I'm a, I'm a really homesick person for New Orleans. Um, so I, I, I was able to kind of thrive out there, and I became addicted to that style of cooking. And David, how did California lure you in? Um, well, when I was finishing up culinary school in New York, I, uh, I was looking at really um, two places to sort of start my career, and that was either going to be in New York City or um, I felt somewhere out west, um, closer to wine country, would be um, another great place. And uh, the idea of uh, getting an apartment in New York and uh, getting a roommate and trying to, um, you know, you know, working at the daunting, intimidating restaurants that were there, um, the, the California sunshine was just something that uh, I felt that uh, with my degree that I was qualified to just go out there and I, I, I knew I would find a job. I, I didn't know how intimidating and uh, intense it was going to be, but I was hoping for that sort of experience anyways. Take us back to what 
Trevenia was at that time? Because you were the first one working there, right, David? So, yeah, I'd worked there um, for about a year before Tori had began, and um, we, we met. But um, it was a place that was uh, it was really at the height of its uh, popularity, I believe. Um, Michael Chiarello had sort of developed the whole place and the cuisine, that the Italian type of cuisine that he was doing there, um, through the 90s and towards the end of the 90s he had his book was being published and the idea of uh, Italian food that combined the concepts of fresh uh, locally sourced um, vegetables that are at their peak um, and combining that with uh, you know Italian cheeses and Italian sausage and different products that um, more people are familiar with in the Italian um, cuisine uh, was just something that was just really uh, from my experience, it was something that I had never seen in any of the Italian restaurants that I had gone to. So, David, you're working there, and one day the kitchen door opens, and this beautiful blonde walked in. But I understand you were the only person in the kitchen who would talk to Tori. Um, well, you know, I had worked there for about a year, so I had been through the paces, and, um, you know, when I first started, I wouldn't talk to anyone except for saying, yes, chef, no chef, or whatever you need, chef. And, uh, you know, after about a year of that, I was comfortable enough to, um, in what I was doing, that I could uh, just be a little bit more relaxed. A and, little more empathetic to a new person coming in, especially a girl <laughs> who who just really was overwhelmed by that scene, you know, um, and he saw me struggling one day and he just, I think, was in a position where he was able to offer help to me, you know, and I clinged on to that. <laughs> it was like it was like an island in the middle of an ocean, you know. Um, but from that moment, I mean, I, I started to feel more comfortable there as well. It's like I had an ally kind of. So uh -huh. it wasn't so scary. And what an amazing culinary lesson you all learned that has stayed with you all of these years. Because if I'm correct, David and, and Tori, that what you learned at Travina largely still influences the way and what and how you cook today. Am I correct? Yeah, that's correct. I mean, it was a real formative experience um, for both of us, I think I would say. And um it was uh, an intense training in terms of the world of restaurants and um, one that, you know, is just invaluable to um, sort of how we developed as chefs. And, of course, anybody who marries a New Orleans girl, it's funny how that works out. Y'all came home, huh, Tori? Point of contention. <laughs> just kidding. 20-something years later. Um He'll say I always had it in the plans, and I guess it was all over me. I mean, I didn't think that I was coming back, but uh, I came for a visit after we had met, and I was on the North Shore with my parents. They had just moved over here, and I was scouting restaurant locations. I was still in culinary school, and I had drawn this, you know, taken pictures and drawn this whole thing out for him. Um, and we were like, yeah, okay, maybe. Let's just stop by in New Orleans before we – do other things. We wanted to travel to Europe and stuff like that before we really settled. And um, we stopped off in New Orleans, and that was it. We got married a year <laughs> later, and less than a year later, we opened up Del Porto on the North Shore. It's just kind of fell into place. 
one of the things that's really interesting to me is that while you were a native New Orleanian and you grew up on the South Shore, what is it about the North Shore that just speaks to your souls? One of the things that Tori loves to say is uh, she can breathe a little bit easier uh, as soon as we we cross that bridge. New Orleans is... uh, at a very exciting place, and uh, there's a lot going on, and we we love it all. Um, but you know, the North Shore has a good mix of all of that culture, as well as just a little more space, a little more trees. She feels the air is better. <laughs> I feel it's a little cooler. Um, I do feel it's a little breezier, and um, at this age, um, it just like he said, I I I, I cross the bridge, and I, I feel like I can just like breathe a little better, you know. But I, I am a person that is overly excitable. So when I'm here, I, it's just like I, I can't do enough. I can't see enough. I can't eat enough. I can't, you know, and I and I love every moment. I want to get a hotel and I want to stay for a week. And But then it's like, you know, the end of the day comes and I'm, I'm really tired and I start to head back across the lake. And I'm like, you know, you see that water, you yeah. know, and you see those trees. And it's just I'm at that point in my life. You know, we were brought here for other reasons to open the restaurant. It was an opportunity. We followed Gerard Maris. I wasn't sure how I felt about being on the North Shore, but it has just become part of us over the last 20 years. I'm still a New Orleanian at heart. It is will always be in my heart. My, my family, I mean, grew up there. I've spent all my life there. I just, um, like I said, I mean, I'm just older and I can spread out a little more. You really came home at a perfect time, too, to get to work with that fantastic Gerard Maris, who... He, he created Farm to Table in his own way here because, Lord, he even was growing things on his own farm. I mean, that's that's that's, that's, right. that's a chef gone too far. You're, you're not ready to become a <laughs> farmer, are you, David? We, we tried no, this. You we know, did. We tried uh, this. We oh, did. no. It's hard to wear that many hats in this business. I mean, um, those who can do their farming as well as do their chefing, I, my, my hat's off to them. Because, uh, I mean, look, Gerard might be a farmer at heart first. Yeah, he you know, might be. Um, or maybe he 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 could do both because of where he lived. We, I thought, after working at Skywalker Ranch on the, for George Lucas, I worked on the organic farm there, b- brought it to the restaurant, spent time in the restaurant. I, I did a little bit of everything there, and I thought, oh well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to have a, a farm next to my restaurant. And my mom lives on what 13 acres up north of us, and we definitely tried this for the first couple years. You know. Eggs were from my mom's farm. We she had goats. We were doing goat cheese. We were doing, you know, goat milk panna cottas. We were getting all the herbs. We were getting lettuces. It was not sustainable for us, and it's just it we we it was became farming well, and cooking. Farming and cooking. A lot of work. It, it's a lot for of everyone. work. Those are two of the hardest two physical hard. jobs. They really I are. don't know how anybody imagines they can do both. Well, then we suddenly realized we we don't have to do this. We have all these beautiful farms and farmers right here in our backyard that can do this for us and we can turn their product into something, you know, and so that's where we're at today. I love the story of how Del Porto came to be because you all just happened to be taking a little walk one evening and spotted a place with a for rent sign oh. and it spoke to you, huh? Yeah, there was uh, just a little small storefront when we when we first opened at Del Porto that um, we had heard had become available and... Uh, we made the uh, made the right um, contacts and uh, the right negotiations, and um, I was uh, 
overwhelmed. I thought it was at least a million dollars to open a restaurant. We, everyone, we'd always heard that. Everyone said, oh, you can't open a restaurant for less than a million dollars. And I was like, that's why I don't want to open one because I'm not I don't want to borrow a million dollars. Well, that is really <laughs> one of the best parts of your story because you all have just been so smart to stay within your means. I don't think anybody would believe that 21 years ago you opened up Del Porto with a $20,000 investment. Uh, the price of a car. And that's, <laughs> I think at 30 years old, we were like, this we could handle if we fail. You know, it just wasn't so much, like, it wasn't that overwhelming. It was to open a restaurant. And the thought of failing was scary, but it, like he said, it wasn't like we were in the hole, you know, a million dollars or in debt to somebody, you know. Um, so that just took a lot of the fear out of it and just kind of allowed us to really just do our thing. So you had 12 tables in this little tiny initial storefront, and um, it was the two of you all. And I think maybe you also had some help from the high school down the street. They had a culinary program. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we were able to get a couple kids from there and, of course, some some friends and family to put together the rest of our uh, sort of front of the house uh, crew and um, – when we opened our first weekend, it was uh, it was as you would expect: complete chaos, <laughs> uh, an electricity failure, and uh, many, many happy customers. Maybe a couple that weren't as happy, but uh, many, many that were and that began to frequent the restaurant. That's such a beautiful story, and of course. To me, the perfect synergy of this whole thing is that Del Porto has always been a short walk from the Covington Farmer's Market. And that was opening up and really getting blowing and going at about the same time, too. So really it was. There was, um, you know, some some people in charge of the Covington Farmer's Market that really wanted to um, make it focused on uh, bringing fruits and vegetables and the produce of the region to the Covington Market. So um, there's many great markets. There's also many great fruit stands all over the North Shore. Some of the markets are a little more crafty than others, but the Covington one was really focused on vegetables, and um, it was so easy for me to just be able to go there and um, procure Fresh zucchinis, fresh eggplants, tomatoes when they were in season, um, great melons, um, stuff that we could just uh, really make part of our menu. And um, it was growing every year, and um, it was fantastic. Well, David, I understand that all these years later, you're still the first shopper there on a Saturday morning, huh? So, uh, you know, I've, I've not been as steady as I was in the past, but I'm trying to get back up to that level to where I'm there every Saturday. And um, it's best to be there early for sure. That Covington <laughs> Farmer's Market, it is such a special place. What is it that you look forward to the most when you visit there? So when I go, it's... Um, my first priority is, of course, uh, hitting all the best spots for the choice produce. And then um, after that, it's just seeing people that I know, seeing, um, talking with uh, the farmers, seeing what they have coming on, and um, seeing a lot of our customers. I, I always, they always ask me what's, what's on the menu tonight, and I usually have a big bus tub of uh, fresh vegetables that I can show them. So um, 
it's a it's a great uh, community market. One of the incredible things that you all have consistently done at Del Porto is you really cook according to the seasons. So what are some of your favorite seasons at Del Porto? Hmm, let's see. I My two favorite seasons are going to be, I know you think I'm going to say fall and spring, but it's fall and summer. I love the late summer vegetables. I love how intense everything gets. You know, the the peppers, the zucchini, the tomatoes. I, I love, we have a dish in our menu. We call it late summer vegetable lasagna. And it really stays on sometimes through the beginning of November because all that stuff is still coming in through September. Um, it's just a really like, it is literally like summer in a dish. Um, I, I know it's a lasagna, so you're thinking it's all mushed and melded together. It's not. It's like some beautifully grilled vegetables tossed in a little pesto, lightly layered through some, you know, delicate pasta, you know, free-formed um, with some homemade ricotta. And it's just not overly cheesy. And you get the overwhelming flavor of summer in this dish. It's just bursting. That's one of my favorite dishes. Um, I like how intense the vegetables get and fall because... We're getting our first break from this heat, and I, I, that's just, I think, everyone from this area's favorite time to cook. We all like to get our stews and our soups going and our braised meats and stuff, and that just, to me, signifies the end of the heat. So those two seasons are my favorites. Well, you know, one of the things that I think is remarkable about the two of you, um, when you look at great restaurateurs, couples who, have, who do this, usually... The husband is the chef in the back of the house. The female half gravitates perhaps to being the sommelier, the front of the house. But if only there's two. (laughs) I was looking for that because there's two cooks in your kitchen a lot. Do, Do two cooks ever spoil the broth? Well, so no, I, I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. we honestly have to, you know, just say that we we both benefit from that. Um, being a chef, just just a chef in the back of the house is uh, is a sh- hard, strenuous job, and um, you know, along with a lot of creativity, like you have to be able to do all of these things, and having two people to be able to partner in how we accomplish those things has been just uh, great. We're very lucky that we are we're not two type A personalities. We're very opposite. And so we don't compete. We don't struggle with, you know, these decisions. It's like, we always say this, he is a technique guy. I am like the fluff. You know what I mean? Like I am all about the the garnishes and the colors and the textures. He, he's getting it all right though. He's getting it all ready. You know what I mean? So I, I, I again, at this point in my life, I, I don't want to work as hard as him right now, but he's still into it. So I get to come along you know, and help develop these menus at this point and put the final touches and stuff on things. And it's just really been a great partnership. Uh, It's how we met. We've always had a job together. We have never not worked together. Um, The one time we did not work together, I I didn't like it. He may have, but I didn't (laughs) like it because I I rely on him a lot. And I think he does me. Um, And this partnership and relationship is spilled over into our personal life. And it's kind of like we... That's how we do Evelyn, you know? That's how we do our home life. We just really share everything. So nothing is too difficult. Um, And I feel lucky and sometimes a little guilty, to be honest with you, because it's a hard job and I I see chefs alone struggle. It's a struggle, it is hard. And then to have to do your home life, you know, or try to have a home, I don't know. It just, ours kind of all melds together and becomes part of each other. And we don't mind it like that. 
And David, I understand that one of your undying passions, besides your girls, is pasta. Tell us about you and pasta and why, what you do with pasta, how you make pasta, why that is such a foundation of Del Porto. Um, well, when, um, when we first took over Del Porto, its name was already there. And uh, <laughs> we came from, uh, you know, that California experience that we had just had. And the truth is, Tori knew, even before she met me probably, that uh, doing a restaurant with professionally trained chefs in a sort of California style, even if it wasn't Italian, was going to be a home run uh, here in Louisiana particularly on the North Shore. Um, but so pasta was, uh, you know, if, if it's already called Del Porto and we're doing Italian food, um, I grew up where for a while I only ate spaghetti. And then, uh, you know, for a while, then I eventually started trying everything else. And when I was, uh, you know, about 11 or 12, my dad and I started just doing something together, and that was cooking. And it was, the way we cooked was basically if you could, uh, we made sauce, if you could cook a, bag of macaroni and toss the pasta in it. Um, that was something we were doing, you know, almost every weekend. So uh, I've always been in love with sauce and pasta, and um, we learned some techniques on how to make and roll fresh pasta, and uh, we have done it in many forms at Del Porto. We, we make homemade raviolis. We make homemade tagliatelle, homemade anliotti, and um, just to – those sort of simplistic dishes where it's just a simple pasta with a simple sauce, you know, hopefully with some local ingredients, local vegetables, and some imported cheese thrown in that really just jazzed me. And um, it it was, uh, I think, when we were first opened, it was introducing a new way of sort of eating pasta to people who weren't familiar with um, our style of food. Well, after almost 20 years of Northern Italian, Cal Ital style cooking, I understand that Mrs. Salazzo was getting bored. <laughs> <laughs> Whose idea was the second restaurant? It was kind of both of ours. Tourists. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've been talking about it for, uh, well, since before Evelyn was born, we've explored a couple different opportunities, including one in New Orleans when she was just a baby, and we decided that would be too hard to cross the lake, you know, with the other restaurant. Um, and it kind of sat for a while, and then we kind of put it on the back burner, and we did some renovations at Del Porto, and then that went a couple years, and then right before the pandemic, we found an opportunity, a building became available. Um, something that was in our wheelhouse, something that we could afford. Um, and Something, again, that wasn't going to be a million dollars. Right. Something, we, but we were waiting for that for a decade. We just didn't want to put ourselves on the line with big, huge loans, things that we would never be able to repay. Um, this popped up, and it was kind of like we looked at each other, and we're like, I think this is the place. You and know? How, and many, how many blocks is it from Del Porto? Two. I mean, you know, <laughs> a lot of restaurateurs would right. question the wisdom of creating their own competition right. a few blocks down. We've been asked that question. Um, I, I, I always say if it's something different, um, you can't eat at Del Porto. Five, I mean, you might eat there four nights a week, but on that fifth night, you might want something different, you know? And what I have found now that we're open two years, um, 
we get the same customers. We get them at Del Porto a couple nights a week. We get them at the Greyhound a couple nights a week. And it just seems to be there's enough business in Covington to go around. Well, it is just so clever and perfect that the second restaurant's called the Greyhound because it actually was the old original Greyhound station in Covington. That's right. Huh? That's right. Made it easy to give it a name. <laughs> so, yeah, after we um, fooled around with, like, attempting to find – figure out some other names, it became clear that it was just going to be called the Greyhound. I mean, we took we, we took everyone's opinion, you know, in the community. And this this came up a few times. Um, it just seemed to stick from minute one. It just sounded like a pub, you know. And I, I just, I was like, we kept going back to other names and, and we're like, nope, it's a Greyhound station. I think that's going to be the name. In essence, the way I see it, you've sort of created for yourself an international playground. Well, so, yes, we've, uh, you know, having Del Porto, um, we, of course, we have a love of Italian food, and uh, we never had the sort of the space to create that sort of uh, environment at Del Porto. And just doing this new place, it just was the perfect uh, sort of fit for um, combining wood-fired pizzas with the rest of a, a menu that was uh, a little bit more casual, a little bit more, um, you know, international, as you say, and just hopefully just trying to stick within a sort of a pub uh, international feel. You've had these Coventonians and other folks grow up, go into the restaurant, and then the kids get to be about first stage employment age, and they come knocking on your doors. Let's talk about your presence in the community with all the kids that you have taken through that first job experience. Well, so we're real lucky to have um, just customers that frequent the restaurant, you know, three and four times a month, sometimes more than that. And um, we've always been a place where people bring their families, um, whether it be for special occasions or just bringing bringing everyone out to eat. Um, we've we've uh, had these customers for 20 years, 21 years now for some of them. And, uh, you know, as their kids have grown up, they've... Uh, sought different jobs as back waiters or hostesses or, um, you know, cooks, dishwashers, maybe not quite as many dishwashers as we wish, but um, <laughs> never enough. We've been lucky enough to just uh, be part of the community that um, people feel okay, I guess, sending their kids to work. That says a lot today because I grew up in restaurants where I would never let my child work, <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> yeah. you know, I feel we have a People trust us. We have a really good environment um, where these young kids can come work and, and feel safe. Um, we don't try to keep them there all night. We always let our kids go first. You know, um, we're very flexible with their schedules because they're kids. Um, yeah, it's just one of those places. I, I I don't know. We just that's that's our. It's a good place for people to work. Do you have any stories of kids that have? gone on to do great who's surprising you out in the big big world george and nick are probably our two biggest you know celebrity you know people that have worked for us in the past they have george has hoodoo ice cream which is the little local place that makes their own ice cream in town there's really nobody else making their own ice cream right there in downtown Cunningham. and his ice cream's beautiful it's awesome and they, they went they went around all over the country and learned about the best machine and we're very proud of him and billy and nick you know is just really stayed true to his passion nick usner for minute one i mean when he used to work with us you you know, he, he was 
always farming as hard as he is now, and he's still doing it 20-something years later. So um, he is that person at heart. And th those two, I think, are probably the most well-known. A lot of people work for us for many years, but then go on to become, you know, finish school, become, you know, uh, a lot of people go to nursing school around here. I've got my manager just finished at Greyhound and she's now a nurse at St. Tammany. Oh. She worked her entire time through nursing school for us. Um, I've got some people going into real estate. Just think they, people like to go to school and work for us because we do offer a flexible schedule. And they see Tori and I as an example that they don't want to repeat. Oh. <laughs> That's not, we both have college degrees prior to, right. prior to, so we, we do always tell people it's important to finish school. The whole family gets in the act. Even the Salazzo's only child, 11-year-old Evelyn, who seems to love the restaurant business, just as much as mom and dad. Well, of course, Evelyn is your 12-year-old daughter who is such a part of the restaurant that that's her home away from home too, huh? Yes, it is. We, we try not for it not to be like that, but we opened a second restaurant in the pandemic and um, we didn't have a choice. We're kind of like, you're coming to work, you know, and she did. And she She's good at it, you know. I don't want her to spend all of her time there. And so we, we, we've backed off of that a little. But you'll catch her there on the weekends at the door. It's such a lucky coincidence that um, the youngest Salazzo came along. I was wondering if maybe Evelyn could just, like, find a knee right over there by a microphone and tell me what she loves about the restaurant. What, what are some of the very first things you remember, Evelyn? Well... I just remember my favorite part, I would just go into Del Porto with my babysitter and I would get one thing and one thing only, I would get a white bean <laughs> and um, a pate. A pate. Yes. Oh my goodness, white beans and pate. That huh? was my favorite thing from there. Oh, and, and has it stuck? Yes, very and much. What's your favorite part of being part of this amazing restaurant family? Well, it's just really fun. Um, I love going to the restaurants. I love meeting new people like who work there. It's all just really fun. <laughs> well, I am so glad we got to meet you today and have you come be part of this conversation. And I'll be looking for you next time I'm across the lake, okay? Yes. <laughs> That was David and Tori Salazzo with daughter Evelyn of downtown Covington's Del Porto Ristorante and the Greyhound. Experience the bounty of the bayou and rich culture from award-winning chefs, soulful mom-and-pop restaurants, extraordinary bakers, and creative mixologists. To learn more, request the Explore the North Shore Visitor Guide for inspirational stories, custom itineraries, and event information at visitthenorthshore.com. St. Tammany Parish, Louisiana's easy escape, just 40 minutes from New Orleans French Quarter. This podcast was produced by Blake Longlinet for Poppy Tooker Broadcasting.